It's not a list Frank. They don't have to do surgery on it. Still going to be a big recovery, but much less than what we anticipated, which is awesome news for him in the offseason. He'll be good to go right away, so it won't be like last year. I mean, there's that way outside chance, you know, late in the playoffs or something like that, but I'm not really real optimistic about that, but they didn't rule it out. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Welcome in uh, Reno. We're at our Vegas Thursday home, Silver Sevens. Curtis Terry, former running rebel, is here with us, co-hosting for another 20 minutes. Big Four at Four is coming up in just a second. I'm Steve Cofield. Ari is back in our Finley Toyota Studios. Raiders game coming up in uh, less than 90 minutes. No Rocky Sin, no Jayon Brown. Will there be Baker Mayfield? We're looking for updates if Baker's actually going to start for the Rams. That would be pretty crazy. Let's do the Big Four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. So with Reno in the house, let's talk about two good teams in the state of Nevada. UNLV's off to a really good start at 9-0. and I think a lot of folks had questions about the pack because they lost so much. You had uh, Washington and Cambridge head to Arizona State. Sherfield, the best player, winds up at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Steve Alford and Noodles are good coaches, and they've got a lot of connections. And I didn't think Alford was going to be down for long, and they've actually put together a pretty nice team here. And I, I thought last year's team had a lot of grinders, and they're building around those grinders and some newcomers, a transfer in, you know, from the Pac-12 and Lucas from Oregon State. They look pretty solid. Yeah, and you got, I mean, you got to give Coach Alford credit for what he's done. He's been around a long time, right? He's had a lot of success everywhere he's been. And I think he's, he's obviously a good fit in the Mountain West. Um, I think there's probably people at times that say, is he going to be able to, to survive? Or are we going to be able to survive Coach Alford? Just a strong personality. Uh, but the Wolfpacker, they're playing good basketball right now. I mean, they're 8-2. and two. Um, They're doing some good things. Sherfield left. I mean, you got the local kid here from Vegas. Williams is up there now. Um, I mean, and, and now, I, even though it's Nevada Wolfpack, I'm still going to support him because we got a, a former Rebel up there. Justin Hawkins is on the staff now. And so I keep, I keep a closer tabs on what they're doing. But anytime, I mean, just Mountain West basketball is strong. Anytime basketball in the state of Nevada, is, it's always going to be a good thing. I like Blackshear. We yeah. saw him last year. Yeah. Um, big, strong kid, lots of upside. But when you, you see him, he's a, really a physical specimen who can do a little everything. And I think the thing with them is you've got to, just like with any coach, though, you've got to get your recruits. Alford has to get players that play his system. Otherwise, they it's not going to work. You saw last year, Sherfield was kind of up and down. Um, but I think Alford's I just like, didn't think a lot of their guys, you know, the, the core guys who are back worked yeah. on defense. Like Coleman is not a great player, but no. he works on defense. You have Some to. of the other guys didn't work consistently on defense. And if you don't, Alford's going to go crazy. You're not going to have a chance to play for Coach Alford not to play defense. you got to be able to knock down some threes, play defense, and kind of just be a tough SOB if you want to play for, for Coach Steve Alford. Number three. All right, so let's start looking around the Mountain West Conference now through a month or so probably a little better than some people anticipated because i don't think people knew about a lot of the newcomers and the entire conference is using the portal i think the most impressive team so far because i didn't know what odom was going to do at utah state in terms of connections he had to replace some guys who had been there Mm -hmm. forever he goes out and gets a pair of six nine six ten dudes one in funk from st joe's he's been dynamite Mm -hmm. and then you see developmental guys like shulga one of the guards, and then you and I have talked about little Stephen Ashworth, <laughs> who I just thought was just a turnover machine and out of control at times, can't really defend. And then you look up, and he's shooting like 53% from yeah. three and averaging near 20 points a game. And there, while I think a lot of the conference is like, you know what, let's build like San Diego State. Let's rough up people. Right. Utah State can play D, but he went out and got 
guys who can play offense. Right. They're the, I think they're the most dangerous team offensively. Yeah, it's just all about personnel and style and kind of what your coach wants to do. I mean, I, I mean, and Stephen Ashworth is kind of like if Bart Tipson was the nice kid in the neighborhood, right? It's <laughs> just, just a nice guy. He'll, get, he'll bring your newspaper every day. He'll cut your grass and won't even charge you for it. Um, but, again, I think Max Solga, he, he, he had a, a game against UNLV, I think, last year um, that he just kind of he, he lit, he lit him up. But I think there's, it's a situation where when the Mountain West is strong, and, I, I mean, obviously, San Diego State, New Mexico, UNLV, and then you throw in Boise, you throw in CSU or Utah State, like – the Mountain By the West. way, New Mexico's back. Yeah, because they got two bigs, yeah. and they actually beat. They already had some they, guards. They actually beat the Rebels for uh, Udeze, who's six eight two sixty. They got a transfer in from Kansas City, so now they got bigs to go with Mashburn and House. One of the teams that is down, I think, when they're all back, they're going to be ridiculous again. Is Wyoming right. last night uh, or two nights ago? Uh, Reynolds, one of their, he was a freshman guard last year. I thought in the Mountain West Conference tournament, I'm like this, this guy's the backup. He's right. going to be really good. I think he's a Midwest kid. Um, he had 30 the other night. So Wyoming, once Ike is back, right. is going to be good. CSU is not going to be down. No. They have all these experienced players. Right. The Mountain West is going to be really, really good this year. I yeah. mean, you've got three teams right now, of three of the last ten teams in the country that are undefeated. The Mountain West is going to be a really, really good Mountain West team. I mean, I mean, Mountain West Conference get multiple teams in the tournament. But that means the only bad downside is we're all going to beat up on each other once you get to January all the way through March. Who do you think the most dangerous team is aside from San Diego State when it comes to postseason? It, do you think it's the Rebels? I do, and I and I'm going to catch flack for this because y'all, you're 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 alum. No, when you look at their roster, how it's built, they've got depth at every position, top to bottom. You still don't have Isaiah Cottrell back, but you've got guys that can guard, and you've got guards. Postseason play is about defense and guard play. If you strip it down, that's all the Rebels have. But they've also got guys that can make shots, and they've got some shooters. So, again, I think it's a perfect storm, but I think you've got to be able to survive conference play because it's going to be a heck of a, heck of a conference season. Yeah, I think Wyoming is going to be the, the, the second best team they from a danger healthy. standpoint once they get healthy. They can get healthy if they're still hungry because once you have some success like that and it's not expected, it's easy to kind of taper off a la the, the Los Angeles Rams. Um, but it, it's, it depends on how it's going to go. But I think they've got that experience. I think they've got that fire to know they can do it because they've done it once. Mountain West currently a combined 72-26. and 26. Air Force has been okay. They're 6-4. and four. San Jose State has an impact transfer in from Temple, so they're getting a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So even the bottom of the league, when you go on the road, right. we know San Jose is a pain in the keister play at. Even though they're, they're not good, that gym is ridiculously right. challenging. Right. No one there. And let's not even talk about Air Force. I hate going to Air Force. It's a tough trip. I, I, it's either the – the cadets are there, and it's loud, or there's no one there, and then you like you have to create your own energy, and you're you know you're in that mental conundrum of having to be running circles by their offense, and it's in in the altitude, and it's cold there, it's 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 tough. Number two, Deion Sanders in the news all week. He's going to be in the news for a long time, whether he's winning or losing. He attracts attention. He's taken over a Power Five job at Colorado. He's videoing all of it, right? I didn't like the thing where he's talking to the players who were there, and he's like, uh, hit the portal, guys. Guys are coming in. I don't, I don't think that's a good message to send. But in general, and maybe I'm wrong in this because I'm, I'm an old guy, and you know, maybe kids are more resilient. And they're like, all right, I guess I'm going to fight for my job. Cool, coach. I don't know how kids react to that. Because I, I was here. I don't believe this. I was here like, kids these days are soft. They are. You think so? I think so. I think think this generation is a little bit softer because you're coddled and everything's at your fingertips and everybody can stroke you and and can give you your likes and your retweets. Um, I have no problem with what Dion's doing because Dion is going to be Dion, and I think that's he's he's authentically himself from when he was prime time and he was high-stepping returning punts uh, to what he's doing now and what he did at Jackson State. But I think he keeps it real. So, like, hey, hit the portal. 
Go ahead. Because if you if you don't think you're going to cut it, we're not going to baby you because we got some guys. And I think the thing about, the, like, did he screw over the HBCUs? I think, if anything, he just shined a brighter light on them because he's going to allow these kids now to get these opportunities and people aren't going to turn a blind eye to it anymore. Um, and I, I think it's I think it's awesome. And I, I don't have any problem with him saying, I, I brought my own luggage. Like, he brought his son as the quarterback. Because, mind you, his son was recruited by Alabama and USC and all these programs. Oh, his son's good. Oh, yeah, I know. So people think it's, it's nepotism. No, that's called my, my son's a, a baller. So my, my biggest question with Colorado is they made the first step. They went out and got the big name. Right. They've lined him up with a lot of money. Right. It looks like he's got money for a staff. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be in moving forward? That means admitting all the kids you can in the transfer portal because they've been kind of snooty right. about that in the past. And I'm telling you, there are certain schools – when schools fail at football, it's usually from the top down. It doesn't matter who the coach is. Right. If the administrators and people around the university want to bust the chops of the football program, they can make it unsuccessful. So that whole school has to be bought in. And that's where I yeah. wonder, you know, Dion coming in, like, you know, with the luggage and talk and video and all this, I wonder how many people are going to, you know, around the school are like, hey, we ruled the school. Now this guy's coming in and saying, what? Well, I, th- I think if that was if people were going to have that fear and that concern, they should have did it. They should have voiced that. It's like, speak now or forever hold your peace. Like, you had the chance to, to, to speak up before they said I do and walk down that aisle, you know what I mean, as a couple. Because I think Dion's he's going to be successful. And they're putting him in a position to be successful. He's going to get the players. He's going to get the staff. He's got the support. So now if they fail, it's just because it's it wasn't clean. And, and they did something, you know what I mean, academically that, that was just false. But, I, but he's already said that that's an important part of his program. So I think they're going to be successful, and I think it's going to be a little power shift. Obviously, Lincoln Riley at USC is going to be great in, in the Pac-12, but I think in, in a year or two you're going to see Colorado at the top of it. Number one. All right, let's talk NFC West. Oh, you yeah. are a Seahawks fan. Boy, you the bet. division has turned out a lot different than we thought it would. It's, it's still funny looking at the standings and seeing the Cardinals and then the Rams at the bottom, Seahawks in the middle. But now the Niners, who are 8-4, and four, one game ahead of your Seahawks, have Brock Purdy at quarterback. Who? I mean, no, we're no. familiar with the guy from Iowa State. Right. And he was here he, you know, he was here in town a couple times at the East-West Shrine game, and he played at the Al against UNLV. Nice kid. Uh, we know, I think he's a career backup. He'll always be on a roster. But now he's got to lead a team to the playoffs. Mm. Seahawks need to win the division. Yeah, and I'm not just going to say like, or else Pete Carroll's gone, but because he's done a great job to this point. Like your expectations as a Seahawks fan, what is it now? It's to win the division. I mean, going into the season, it was like, hey, Russell Wilson's gone, but I understand why you don't re-sign him. And clearly, they saw it before everybody else did because his play is just not there, right? Well, I got that one wrong. I mean, his play is not. I there. got that one wrong. I was so, like, yeah. why did they choose Pete Carroll, that's seventy-one-year-old? Instead of Russell Wilson, a franchise quarterback, they blew it. That's money well, uh, not, well not spent. Um, because going to the season, you think, hey, we're going to try to piece it together and see what happens. I mean, Geno Smith's quarterback. Again, I, if, if you're on my team, I'm with you. So, Geno Smith, let's go. I think now for the Seahawks, you've got to try to win this thing out. Because, again, the Rams are struggling. The Cardinals aren't the same. Uh, and the Niners don't. Who knows what's going to happen for them under center. Uh, but I think the Seahawks are in a position to where, I mean, Dave, Dave Mahler up at uh, KGR in Seattle the Seahawks are number of the seventh seed currently in the NFC, but they hold three of the top 36 picks in the upcoming draft and four of the top 54 picks in the upcoming draft. So again, regardless of how things shake out, you're in a position to rebuild this thing on the fly, and they struck gold on this last draft. So again, Seahawks, let's go, baby. Who's your favorite sports talk radio follow? Is it 
Steve Cofield or Softy? What's going on here? It's Steve Cofield. Are you sure? I, I don't know. But Softy's I was just in good. Seattle. I just had the privilege to go up to Seattle. Yeah. I went to a cracking game at Climate Pledge Arena. And so, again, the two the two markets that I tap into obviously are back home in Seattle, but but here here locally. I want to be a part of the company. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. Softy is really good, and he's a legend. And he's uh, a complete, you know, complete, like, fans guy. He connects with people up yeah. there. That's why he's been so good for 20-plus years. I, I I also think the Geno Smith story is, is really cool. I always kind of liked Geno and rooted for him when right. he was with the Jets and um, the fact that it did take him seven, eight years to finally get it and really get a chance and have the support of his organization and his team and not have people coming up to him and cracking him in the jaw and breaking break his jaw and all that. It's, it is a good redemption story. It is. And I saw something today, a video of him after practice that said people like, like how do you feel like in, in terms of what's going on through now and like all the tough times you've been through? And he was like, you know what? I went through tough times. He was like, but well, my tough times are nothing compared to other people. And, and the fact of what he went through, he's like, I was still an NFL player. I still had a job. I still had my family. He's like, so, well, yeah, my tough times were rough, but I'm just blessed to be in this position because I was still in the NFL and still a quarterback. And I think that's what it's about. Like, he, he encompasses and embodies what it is to be in a position to be, to be successful. And um, I don't think he's, he's shying away from that. Now, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And he said, they wrote me off, but I didn't write back. Like, that's not the best mic drop line of the century. Like, they wrote me off, but I didn't write back. And then he comes and he's about to lead his team to a division championship. Like, hey, Geno Smith or, or bust, and I'm going with Geno Smith. Yeah, I thought the whole time, and we're just about out here. Thank you, Curtis. Appreciate it. Of course. It. Curtis Terry. Make sure you listen on Saturday. Is, uh, even in Reno, you can listen to Run Rebel Basketball. He's very good on the games. Um, UNLV will be playing uh, Washington State over at the MGM. That game goes down at 1.30. Um, I... I thought that the Seahawks' goal was to tank to get a quarterback, but here's the thing on the college quarterback market. I think Bryce Young has a really good chance to be the top guy, but he's small. There's questions about him. Stroud faded a little bit. There's other wild cards in there, like even like an Anthony Richardson from Florida, who's a he's just gigantic and has all the measurables. There's going to be some questions going into this, and there could be a future Seahawks quarterback available later in the first round or potentially in the second round. When you have a player of his caliber come available and you look at just the circumstances and the situation surrounding our quarterback room, we felt like it was the right move for us. Um, he's a guy that I've always respected his game, liked a lot of things that he brings to the table. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Thursday Night Football coming up. Rams, Raiders, Raiders on the road should be... Uh, big throng of Raiders fans at SoFi. So lead up to the game, six and a half point spread. They're on the road. I never thought at this point in the season that I would have to set up search columns on my Twitter for Wolford. That's the Wolf, man. He's one of the backup quarterbacks. Hasn't been consistently good. And I also had to set up a column for Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Sean McVay on the way back. That's interesting the way you put it. I mean, and you, you should say that. If you picked him up, that means you have uh, Baker Mayfield. You hold him in high regard. That was interesting, saying a player of his caliber. I'm not even sure what that means anymore. He got a pretty fair chance in, at playing this year, and it was for a bad team. And clearly a lame duck coach who they were ready to blow out if they had any signs of negativity. Funny enough, Matt Rule then turned around and got an eight-year deal with Nebraska, so good for him. He can always get a job. Mayfield had plenty of time this year and just showed so poorly. Last year, I think everyone on the show tried to cut Mayfield a break because of his shoulder injury. 
It's like, ah, he's beat up. He gutted it out. He could have just shut it down for the season, but he didn't play much better this year. Uh, was 1-5 as a starter with the Panthers. Only completed 58% of his passes, which now in the NFL, if you put up you know, Phil Simms-like completion numbers, you're, you're not good. You know, that's, that stuff is for 1987. It's crap now. 57.8% of his passes, six touchdowns, six interceptions. So not completely dreadful. You know, it's, it's not, you know, Zach Wilson, although some of his numbers actually do rank right there with the Jets. Zach Wilson, keep in mind, Baker Mayfield couldn't hold off Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker. That's how bad it got in Pantherland. The guy on the season, 32nd in completion rate. I just read the number to you. It is funny how, and the game's changed because there's a lot of, uh, you know, I'm not going to say easy, but high percentage passes that are thrown. So completion percentages in general are higher. But, man, if you're if you're under 58%, I mean, you're talking Josh Allen in his first year, but Mayfield, 32nd in completion rate. Yards per attempt, 31st. Right at the bottom, touchdown-interception ratio. And uh, dead last in passer rating at 74-4. I believe this is just a roll of the dice. Keep him around. See if he'll sign for cheap. We'll convince him, hey, we can resurrect your career. And it's a good insurance plan for Matt Stafford. If he does have really, really, really serious injuries, right now he does. But for him to be in the mix to potentially play tonight is completely insane. I I can't imagine he's going to be prepped. But like I said, I got the Twitter column up there ready for updates. Now on the Raiders side, think about this game. So you've got so many major players and stars and key contributors for the Rams who are out and not playing. I don't know what it says if they play Mayfield. It just says they're in dire straits at quarterback with uh, Perkins and an injured Walford. They're not tanking. As we pointed out earlier in the show, they don't have a first-round pick again. This time they used it to get Stafford and also get Jared Goff off their books. So they're not tanking for a number one pick. Hell, the Lions want to see him lose as much as possible so they get a higher pick along with their own pick. This is such a good setup for the Raiders. And if I had told people four or five weeks ago at 2-7, and seven, man, you guys are going to be in really good shape because you're going to be on the verge of going 6-7 and seven, and you're going to be dealt a great hand because the Rams are beat the hell. They stink. They might be the worst defending Super Bowl champ ever. They won't have a quarterback. Aaron Donald is out. You'd be like, there's no way. There's no way we can go 6-7. and seven. Now, the way the game sets up, they have to go 6-7. and seven. You know, We read the comment earlier from Vic Tafer saying this game is a gimme. And the funny thing is, I was following the thread with Vic, who's a longtime Raiders beat writer, is now with The Athletic. I was following the thread when Vic put that out there about, hey, this is a gimme victory. And a lot of Raiders fans were chiming in with this excuse and that excuse, like saying that Vic's getting too fired up. You know, the three-game win streak is not a big deal. Who have they beaten? Oh, they had to go to overtime twice. What is, what is there? I'm not saying it's all a Raider Nation. There are members of Raider Nation who are, God, you guys are so much softer. I'm a Jets fan, and, you know, growing up, you know, you hear about Raider Nation from afar, and then I've been out here in Vegas for 25 years and 26 years. I had a lot of admiration, again, watching 
the Raiders from a little bit closer. And we know this is a big Raiders town even before they got here, and there's some hardcore Raiders fans. But, man, there there is a group. One part of the group is those who will weep on behalf of Derek Carr. They will support Derek Carr under any circumstances. And then, two, just excuse after excuse after excuse. Yeah, Tafer said earlier, I've heard no excuses a lot over the last years at the Raiders facility, followed by excuses. Now, that's pretty damning if it's people in the organization. And, man, you do hear excuses. And he said, uh, tonight there can't be any. Based on the progress the uh, the staff and players have made the last three weeks, I mean, you've got a team that has historically good, at least for one season, running back and wide receiver as a combo – this is one of the best combinations, running back and receiver, we've ever seen in the NFL. If Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams both finish north of 1,500 yards, it'll be just the fourth team to have a combination that achieved that high. Every single one of those teams, it's not a big sample, but there's been three of them. Every single one of those teams went 10-6 and six or better, and the Raiders right now are sitting at 5-7 and seven with a max of 10 and 7, but every one of those teams made the playoffs. The worst one was the Lions in 95. Lions don't make the playoffs much, but they did that year. That was Barry Sanders and, and Herman Moore. Yeah, the bar has been raised. Listen, when it was 2 and 7, we were all talking about, hey, maybe this is a team that needs to win a total of four or five games. Start playing for the future. And they're mixing in some future guys now. They're going to have to with Rockus in down and Jayon Brown down. But the expectations, at least for a couple more games, while they're mathematically alive, have got to be to make the playoffs. And everyone in that locker room, and I'm not not going negative on this because I think they're going to win the game, and I think they can win it pretty handily. But everyone in that locker room, I hope, has reconfigured their goals, you know, while they were down in the dumps. And I'm not saying individuals were giving up. Clearly, Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams weren't giving up. They're piling up massive numbers. Last week, Jacobs 144 on the ground, and Adams 177, receiving with a couple of touchdowns, just wide open, all over the field, but everyone in that organization has to look at this game as a have-to-win game, not because it keeps them alive, because the Rams stink. And, and how much fight is going to be in the Rams if you're up in the third quarter and you know, you're know you up two touchdowns, you're up 17. They're going to fight back? They're going to pull the comeback on you? Like the Cards did early in the season? So, yeah, to, uh, to many people's points, there are no excuses in this one, they have to freaking win it. And the other thing is, they, because they lost a couple of really bad games, you know, we've been big defenders of the Raiders on this front, that while last year, what they go, 7-2 and two in one-score games? Like, everything bounced the right way for them. This year, they got out of the gates, and they were terrible in one-score games. And now the coin flip, because that's what one-score games are over the long haul. If you play 50 of them, you know, if you're a decent team, you should win half of your coin flip games. If you're a good organization, a good team, then you win many more of those. But all these close games, fine, I can deal with a close loss. I don't like the Cardinals' loss, but I can deal with it, right? It sucked, but you can deal with it. The Saints game and the Colts game were the ones that were the freaking disasters. The Saints, the shutout, and the fact that Jeff Saturday and a team that was 100% left for dead, well, apparently they weren't. They nutted up and, and beat the Raiders and drew the tears. Now they got to make up for that. And they've been handed a gift here 
with this Rams game all beat up, they have to freaking they have to win this one. So I expect a good effort. I expect a focused team. I also expect I don't know what does that place hold over seventy thousand so far. I expect thirty or forty thousand Raiders fans in that building. So the environment is going to be crappy for the Rams. It's going to feel like a home game for the Raiders. So this is all set up for a victory. 364-1100, Want to do a giveaway now. We got tickets locally here in Las Vegas. Social Distortion is playing the House of Blues. 364-1100 is the number. Caller 7-364-1100. You can grab your tickets at Ticketmaster. Dot com. Ari's got a pair of tickets right now. Social Distortion, three-night set, the 15th, the 16th, and the 17th. 364-1100, Caller 7, Ari is going to hook you up. On the way back, let's get to uh, some more of the headlines of the day. We barely got into what happened in baseball today. That was freaking awesome with the Padres jumping in and spending big money and showing more and more that there is upper mobility and there's more teams in Major League Baseball. There's more teams in Major League Baseball than ever actually trying as uh, the Padres go out and the Offered big money to Aaron Judge. They bounce back the next day. They're like, hey, we still have the budget. We're going to go and get an impact player. It's worked for us. We're making a lot of money. We have stars all over the place. Let's go out and add another star. Uh, we'll get to a hot college rumor. Stanford may be getting really close to hiring someone. And more updates on just how bad this Snyder thing was. You know, you had the congressional investigation on Dan Snyder, the owner of the Commanders. Info comes out. Boy, oh, boy. It was a lot worse than we ever thought. So come back with us. We've got Brad Powers in about 10 minutes, our college football betting expert. We'll get his leans and likes. This is a really a must-listen spot as he'll give you all the skinny on bowl games to get down on now. This schedule is not very daunting down the stretch. I think Josh McDaniel has finally figured out it's players, not plays. There you go. Players. And who has he been featuring? <laughs> Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. Who leads the league in rushing right There you go. It's like, okay, this coaching thing's not hard. Let me give it to my best players and good things will happen to you. The Raiders are a team that they have a slim margin for error, but they can sneak their way into the wild card spot. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. That would be one of the great comebacks in a season of all time if the Raiders could reel off, and they got a long way to go, if they could reel off eight in a row to close the season or seven of eight. So they're on their way. Not all the way, but they're on their way. They won three in a row, and now they've been handed a gift in the Rams, so they better win tonight, laying six and a half at William Hill. Game's coming up. Here at Silver 7s, Flamingo and Paradise uh, coming up at uh, around 520 kickoff. And that's when the 77-cent beers go out, Bud, Bud Light, McUltra. they got uh, two bars here. We're at the Bud Light Lounge uh, right near the sports book. They've got the silver and gold bar. So come on down, Flamingo and Paradise. It's Silver 7s. Damian Woody on the way back there. And uh, I think it's oversimplifying things, saying, you know, it's about the players, not the plays. The plays still matter, and there are they have been calling some good games on offense. But you're right, in the end, the playmaker – uh, or playmakers, or Josh Jacobs. You know, Jacobs is the one who's got to bust a long run in the end, find the hole, bust a long run against Seattle to win the game. And I mean, it was a play that created the opening. It was a flea flicker, so that was a little more complicated play than just having Devontae Adams run a regular route. So the players have stepped up. They're feeding their best players. And at least these last three weeks, it's working out. See, it's easy. To, it's funny. It's easy around college football and the NFL to just – bash coaches without nuance 
that's why I always find the treatment of Jason Garrett really interesting. The former Cowboys coach, and then he was the OC for the Giants. He got beat up a lot. I didn't like his clock management. I didn't like his conservatism at times with Dallas, but I don't think he's a terrible coach. I also don't think he's a terrible broadcaster, and I'll get to that in a second. So Jason Garrett is rumored for the Stanford job. Now, I'm going to be very careful with this one because we just went through a week. I didn't check the sources, and if you know real reporters, radio people are the ones feeding Jason Garrett and Troy Taylor, the Sac State coach, as the lead candidates for Stanford. For all we know, this could be a UNLV deal where we've got local papers pushing that Chris Peterson and Ed Orgeron had interest in the UNLV job, and we know that was false and poor reporting. I'm just going to go with it because the reaction is very interesting. Jason Garrett is a punching bag. And because Jason Garrett was kind of boring in press conferences, people have you know blasted him at the start of his broadcasting career. When I've listened to him and I've watched him, I think he's been fine. I think he has a lot of potential. He's got a ton of football knowledge. Was he terrible? No. He has something to say. There's been really terrible people who had nothing to say, but Jason Garrett's been fine. It's funny. I see a tweet earlier from Cousin Sal. Remember Cousin Sal, Ari, who was on our show last year, right? Cousin Sal's a a big name. Uh, I think he still does that gambling show on FS1. I don't know if it still exists. Maybe it doesn't. And I know, you know, know him as kind of a funny guy who's, you know, tied to Kimmel. What are they, cousins? Right? So he sends out a tweet a little earlier. And he goes, this is not a joke. I will donate a considerable amount of money to any Stanford scholarship fund if they hire Jason Garrett, thereby taking him off my television set. Now, we all get on people on TV and, and radio, and you know, we have our opinions. I just got to say, it, just, it hit me when I saw that. Cousin Sal, when he came on our show, may have been the worst guest I've ever spoken to in 26 years on radio. He sucked. When I saw this, I was like, Sal, look in the mirror. Maybe he's an acquired taste. He blew on this show. He did a Super Bowl spot, and you could tell it was at the end of a long day, but he gave no effort, none. And believe me, I've had Marshall Falk like, speak through an interview not caring and getting annoyed because we were talking about expectations. I'll go way back. We talked to a Florida receiver, Riddell Anthony. No one knows that name. And it was one of those where he's like, he's just not good at interviews. But Cousin Sal apparently is like, you know, this big media guy and really funny. And he came on and he sucked. He'll never be on the show again. So I would worry about yourself and your delivery and not worry so much about Jason Garrett, who's just starting. He's just starting. I think Garrett to Stanford would be really interesting. Company's eye on sports betting with Brad Powers. Uh, this is my favorite time of year, bowl season. Brad Powers is always great on this. At Brad Powers Seven up on Twitter. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's happening? Well, first of all, before we get into uh, some bowl leans and likes, and there's still information coming in on bowl games. I saw your tweet the other day, and I think this expresses something really important if you look at bowl games like a like a sports talk radio fan or kind of a smart ass sports fan and you're like bowl games suck and players aren't playing like you're totally missing the boat grow up grow up and see what's in front of us here because you sent out a list like this is a wish list for college football betters what happens now in bowl games with the topsy-turvy nature of news and motivation 
is a potential cornucopia for us. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I root for more bowl opt-outs. I root for more coaching moves and the coaching care. So I root for more uncertainty in the marketplace because that creates more value. And, look, if you don't believe me, you know, just go back to last season because this is relatively new as far as players are popping out and we're having significant line moves. There were 17 instances last year of games moving three points or more. I'm talking just sides. I'm not even talking totals. Those games, uh, if you bet into them, even at close, you went 13-4. and four. So even after the move had been made, 13-4. and four. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I did, there's the value to be made, and then some here with some of these bowl games. Well, before we officially jump into bowl season, there's always the uh, examination of Army and Navy, which is coming up on Saturday, and the total of this game, it's usually a grinder game. Total is down just a tick. It's 32-and-a-half, and I saw you sent out numbers about the history of this total. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously the, the trend that's going around, and I think it's the trend that's pricing into this total, uh, is the fact that Army and Navy have gone under the total 16 consecutive meetings. Uh, the, the reality is this, uh, this is the lowest total, though, out of the, those last 16 meetings. And if you, you know, take this year's total, which is 32-and-a-half, and you go back the last 16 years and regrade the games, then over would have been 9-7. and seven. So uh, at the start of that trend, you're talking totals in the 50s still for an Army-Navy game. Now we're sitting at 32.5 on the lowest totals in college football this season. Uh, e- even if you count all the Surface Academy games, everyone likes to, to bet under in all those. In the last 53 Surface Academy games, uh, 43 unders in them. This is the lowest total out of those 53 Surface Academy games. And on top of it, Two-thirds of them, two-thirds of the Service Academy games have gone over this total. So, again, I, trends are fun to talk about. Trends are, are, are fun to even bet if you don't think they're priced in appropriately to the line. This one you're paying a premium. And, look, my job is to not pay premiums. My job is to find discounts. I think there's a little bit of a discount here if you want to bet over. So I'm going over 32 and a half. Oh, you are doing it. I didn't know if it was a, a play or a stay away. No, I'm doing it. Now, I'm not running the window right now because – you know, Barney at the bar is going to, you know, hear about that trend. <laughs> Up 16 consecutive unders. So I'll wait till game day and see where this line goes, and maybe I can get a 31 even. Oh, okay, good. I, 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 I was just hitting done to put the bet in. I'm off. I'm off. I'm going to wait till Saturday. See, that's on the, on the spot advice from uh, Brad Powers in this case. All right, bowl game start up, believe it or not, on the 16th. Um, and I, I do want to get, in general, some, uh, some games you jumped on that have already moved a lot. But let's talk about next weekend. Uh, UAB and Miami, Bahamas, uh, UAB is minus 10. I bet it. I bet the over. I took over 44. That's still available at a few joints in town, South Point, Willie Hill stations. Uh, I also took 11 with Miami, Ohio. Now, look, are these two of my favorite bets that I made? No, I made like 50 of them already. I just, you know, I want to play against interim coaches. UAB has an interim coach. So I just think there's a substitute teacher effect uh, with that. So that was the reason why I took Miami, Ohio. Reason I took the over is UAB's offense really came on uh, the last month of the season. In addition to that, if you followed MAC games this year, man, the weather played a significant role in those last two, three games for almost every team. And I just think, generally speaking, you're not going to have to worry about weather in the Bahamas for the most part. Maybe a little bit of wind, but uh, you're certainly not going to deal with snow like Miami, Ohio, and some of the other MAC teams have to deal with this year. Bowl game in Orlando, just the uh, name's way too long to even give it a pop. Um, UTSA is plus one against Troy. 
My biggest takeaway is this. Look, it's a good matchup. I mean, these are two of the best group of five teams in the country. It's just a missed opportunity because I think both Troy and UTSA would have been really good bowl bets, teams I wanted to bet on in the bowl season. The fact that they play each other pretty much cancels it out. And we haven't seen too much line movement as far as the side. Again, it's another instance where I'm going to go over 54. Reason being is Troy's offense. Their defense led them most of the season. The offense started getting kick-started the last three games of the season. In addition to that, UTSA's defense, you know, has some good stats, but keep in mind, you know, down the stretch of the season, they faced three different backup quarterbacks in games. Uh, so I, I think that kind of inflates their defensive stats. So over 54 for me. Louisville and Cincy, explain the coaching situation here because we've got the, 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 <laughs> the strange crossover. Plus, it's at Fenway. They only have one sideline, so I don't know if they're going to put a moat between the teams, but uh, Louisville is one and a half. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a dumpster fire game. I'm going to lean under 44-and-a-half. Coaching situation is peculiar, to say the least, something that we haven't seen too much. First off, Scott Satterfield, the Louisville coach this season, is leaving to become the Cincinnati head coach next season. Louisville upgraded, despite that news, because they got the man they wanted for the last five, six years, that man being Brom from uh, Purdue. He's going to be the new head coach. So we got two interim coaches in this game. You got Fenway. You do have to worry about weather. Last I checked in the middle of December in Boston, Massachusetts at Fenway. So for me, a fun pizza bet under 44 and a half. We've talked about total 70 uh, north of 70. BYU and SMU have a 71 total. SMU is one and a half. It's in New Mexico. 74 was available on one book. I did take under 74. I thought that was a little much. Uh, Right now, there's some twos popping up uh, at a few uh, books. W- William Hill has two and a half on SMU. Am I going to see a three here? If, if so, I'm going to have a pretty decent bet on BYU. I lean BYU here. I think, number one, BYU was a play against team for most of the season, but they kind of turned it around at the end of the season, got a little bit healthier. Uh, I thought two of their better performances against Boise State and Stanford to close out the season. I think there's some new energy in that building. Look, they, they hired a really good defensive coordinator. He's not going to help him this year, but I think he does help the, the overall vibe for that program. He's the Weaver State head coach. I think it's one of the best offseason hires I've seen so far. So I think there's good energy there. I also think they're more accustomed to playing in Albuquerque uh, and a little bit of elevation compared to SMU, so I'm going to lean BYU. Brad Powers at Brad Power 7 up on Twitter, bradpowersports.com. Uh, do you have a bowl package this year that you got out there? You know, just get my newsletter. I mean, it's 49 bucks. It's college football in the NFL. It'll cover you through the Super Bowl. I'll, ha- I'll have a pick on every single bowl game in there. Can I go back to Jay Hill for a second, the Weber State coach? So he's yeah. taking the D.C. job at BYU. You know he's been rumored to be a head coach at the FBS level for a few years. I, I think it's fascinating here. I wonder, you know, it could be a money thing. I'm sure it is. But the other thing is I wonder if he has an actual uh, a more clear path as a D.C. in FBS and a head coach in SES. Might definitely be the fact, and the fact that BYU is heading to the Big 12, so ah, a little bit more of a power conference, so yeah, higher profile for him. I, th- I think people are going to find out that he's a pretty good uh, coach, so uh, he's probably not long for the position there, but uh, he's certainly an upgrade over what they've had this year. Yeah, he's, uh, he's always been a guy on lists for UNLV, and most of the lists are crap, and they've been crap, and this last uh, go-around, it was complete crap, um, but he's always been mentioned because he's up the road, uh, you know, and... Uh, in Utah, Weaver State. Um, speaking of that, what did you think of the Rebels moving on from Arroyo and then bringing in Barry Odom from the SEC? 
Uh, I mean, a little bit of a surprise. Uh, I wouldn't have been surprised had, had, you know, maybe I shouldn't be because, I mean, they were three yards away from it probably not being too much of a surprise in the final game against Nevada there. Had they lost, I, I certainly wouldn't have been surprised if they decided to make a, uh, a change there. You know, new athletic director. Uh, they had shown improvement, obviously, from year one to year two to year two to year three. I just thought this was a year for the taking in the Mountain West. I mean, it was probably the most down year in the 25-year history of the conference. So, a missed opportunity. Uh, my thoughts on the hire, they upgraded. Uh, I mean, I'm telling you that Barry Owen is a legitimate coach. People laugh at his 500 record in the SEC. I think it's solid. You're talking about Missouri in the SEC going 500. It's nothing to, 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 to sneeze at. His defense this year wasn't great, but it actually, you know, the, the previous couple of years, I, I thought he did a good job. So, I good upgrade, good hire for UNLV. Money coming in on the Mountain West champ, Fresno. Uh, that one's a pick now against Washington State in the L.A. Bowl next Saturday. Yeah, I agree with the move here uh, for a variety of reasons. Number one, we'll start the Fresno State side. Jake Hayner's going to play. He wants to close out uh, his career with a win here. Uh, Fresno State will have the crowd edge here. They'll travel to see Jake Hayner there in L.A. Uh, Fresno State's got a pretty good fan base there. Uh, Washington State, three of their top four wide receivers are out. A couple of the best defensive players are out. Their defensive coordinator is gone. He's moving to Arizona State, so... Because of that, money's on Fresno State. I agree with it. Boy, I thought I might have found a motivation spot in the uh, North Texas-Boise game where maybe Boise would be a little down for the game because they didn't win the Mountain West Conference Championship. Boise next Saturday, Frisco Bowl, North Texas, and the Mean Green are getting 10. Yeah, I'm going with Boise, though. I mean, North, you talk about surprise firing. I mean, North Texas yep. plays in the Conference Championship game, and then they fire their coach. I mean, I know they're making the step up to the American next year, uh, but that, that, that has to be a shock to that locker room a little bit. I know they're playing close to home. I think you got to give North Texas at least a half point for home field there, uh, playing close to home, but Boise State's bigger, stronger, faster. Boise State's, you know, even though they lost the Mountain West Championship game to Fresno State, that was a completely different Boise team from the first month of the season with a new quarterback and a new offense coordinator. I think they roll through North Texas. Florida, no air 15. Uh, Anthony Richardson moving on to the NFL. Has this number gotten too big in the Las Vegas Bowl, 10.5 with the Beavers? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of 11s in town. Uh, how high can it go? I mean, I, I certainly lean Florida now. I mean, Jack Miller's going to start. He's third-string quarterback. He was going to be the backup until he injured his thumb earlier in the year. Uh, I don't think you can lay this kind of number. This is Pac-12 versus SEC. I know Florida's going to have a lot more opt-outs than uh, even past Richardson, but it's still a lot to lay with an Oregon State team that I get it. They're 10-2 and two against the spread. Jonathan Smith is as respected as anybody in the betting markets as far as a, a, you know, an undervalued head coach. But Gold Branson, a quarterback, oof, I'm not laying double digits with him, a quarterback, when he can't be effective in the pass game. So to me, it makes sense to lean Florida. I actually prefer the under, under 51. Brad, you uh, usually have a couple of games where you're way ahead of the market. Brad Powers with us at Brad Power Seven up on Twitter, BradPowerSports.com. Did you nail a couple where you anticipated a move and it moved big time? Yeah, and I at least I have video evidence to back this up because I went on a, sh- a couple of shows and said, "Hey, Purdue is going to lose their coach Jeff Brom. You better bet LSU." One of the shows I we bet it at six and a half. The next show I was on after it moved, I said, "Hey, still lay eight. It's up to 11. So I, I did get in front of that news there. Another news to take, and, uh, you know, Illinois took some money today. I might have had something to do with that. 
That line can continue to go up. There might be a locker room issue at Mississippi State just beyond that player tweeting about Mike Leach. There's a lot of other guys hitting the transfer portal. So keep an eye on Illinois. I think they're the right side there. Go figure. Someone thinks Mike Leach is a jackass. Shocker. Um, I got 15 seconds left here. Do you have a leaner like Raiders Rams? I'm a leading Rams, believe it or not. Why? Uh, I just can't lay six points with a Raiders team that can't get margin on anybody on a short week on the road. All right, Brad. You're the man. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, take care. Thanks for having me. Brad Powers, bradpowersports.com, at bradpower7. Get on down here. Raiders, Rams on all the screens all around the casino at Silver 7s. Flamingo in Paradise and just a couple minutes away from 77-cent beers. Yeah, you heard that right. 2022, 77-cent bottles of beer. Bud, Bud Light, Mick Ultra. And the game is on, so come on down to Silver 7s. Thanks, Ari. Appreciate it.